Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, examining the Word of God, especially the example of the book of Acts Church. We see how they serve the Lord, and we do it as well. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. And in the process, we discover the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. The Porch is an online community of believers restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc., a Florida non-for-profit. Since January of 2000, go to onsolomonsporch.org to connect with us or... You can go to firefalltalkradio.com, connect with us there as well. If you have any questions, have any needs, just let us know. Maybe you just want to edify us and tell us you enjoy what we're doing. We'd like that too. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. It is the main broadcasting site and the only place you hear us live. Subscribe to us on the Spreaker app and you get updates when new broadcasts are either happening We're being posted. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We also can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and we're back on Blog Talk Radio. We're getting the word out. We're increasing our reach, so there will probably be more streaming services we'll sign up with in the weeks to come. If you want to support what we do, and we appreciate anyone that does, You can use the PayPal link at the bottom of the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. If you don't want to use that, you want to be something easier and less fees for us, use the Venmo app, and we can be found under at Firefall Media Group, one word, uppercase on the F, the M, and the G. We appreciate you and thank you for everything that you do, including your prayers and covering over us. Anyone not wanting to hear the community part of the porch can jump directly excuse me, to the chapter marked Shofar and go directly into the lesson. The Porch Light newsletter went out this week. If you didn't receive it, check your junk mail folder and mark it as not junk. If it's not there and you don't have it at all, reach out to us at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com or at one of our Facebook pages Let us know you didn't get it, and we'll send it out to you. Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, September 19th. Fall, the autumnal equinox, September 22nd, weeks away from that. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, September 28th, and I'll be teaching on that before we get there. I've got some new stuff I want to share. Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, October 3rd through the 9th. And as I've mentioned, and other people are too, there's an expectation of some kind of blessing shifting or some supernatural experiences occurring between September 19th and October 3rd. So be in prayer for that. Speaking of prayer, we start out with praise reports and prayer requests. It's just what we do. Of course, I praise the Lord for my home in which I am sitting and doing, sharing this with you for my wife of 40 years, Um, our family, sons, daughter-in-laws, our grandson, my little mini-me, for our furry kids, some of you call them pets, and all the possessions he's given us and everything he allows us to use to glorify him. 
I praise him for his protection. That's Psalm 91 covering we've talked about over the years. Even in the midst of the storms, both natural and supernatural, he is there for us. He is a covering over us. He is the glory and the lifter of our head. I praise him for the ministry he allows me to work. It'll always be his. It'll never be mine. For the dreams and the visions and everything that's happening right now, a lot of people are experiencing it. Praise for the healing virtues that are still available to us. If you are in need of healing, heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, and you want to get it out there and others praying for you, reach out to us, let us know. But otherwise, right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be healed, be made whole. Your prayers be answered. I praise him for favor and revelation and all the things that are going on that he's sharing and we're getting involved with, his divine abiding favor. I praise him for being the head and not the tail, for being above and not beneath. And I praise him by faith for being the lender and not the borrower. Praise him for being a new creation. We are living in very prophetic times. It's an exciting time to be alive and be a believer and follower of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. I praise him for America. Yes, there are things wrong, but there are things wrong everywhere. And if I'm going to have to live anywhere, I'd rather live here. The red, white, and blue is not just a set of colors for me. It is a lifestyle. It is a divine appointment. Praise him for the signs he's giving us that he's getting ready to return. I sincerely believe that. Tomorrow? No. Next week? I don't know. But I believe it's close, closer than many want to admit. But I believe he's going to give us time to get the job done. He doesn't want to see anybody perish. My prayer is for the Middle East, of course, Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. Apparently right now Israel is bombing Syria and there's some kind of skirmish going on. So, Lord, in accordance with Psalm 122, verse 6, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you, and we love you. For America and its leaders at this time of unrest and upheaval and everything that's going on naturally and spiritually, I pray that those that know him would heed his voice, heed his word, and do what's right. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Seem to be more and more every day, and God is a God of justice, so Father, we pray for them. We pray against the slaughter of the innocents, the missing and exploited children, the victims of sex trafficking, everything Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring are doing to your creation, Father. We pray, we pray, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I read a story today about a, a pastor, his wife and son in China who have had everything taken from them. They're in prison. They've been separated from one another. The boys in a communist indoctrination school. We need to remember that worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in other countries is not as casual and easy as we have it here. There is religious persecution and anti-Semitism on the rise. The ugliness of the spirit of the Antichrist is bolder and bolder prepared for its personal unveiling. And in any way that we can interfere with that, we do. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design to serve him in the kingdom and be about our Father's business. We need to do that. 
So praying for healing for my wife, Deb, and anyone who's dealing with injuries or limitations or anything right now, again, by faith, receive, believe, speak it out, tell your body, tell your cells to get back to their divine design, the way he designed it and intended. I pray for protection and inspiration for the remnant to wake up, rise up, and answer the call to action. This is my heart's cry every day, not just every week, but every day. That if you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone that's been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. Tell them about Firefall. Tell them about The Porch, SRT, the documentaries, everything we're trying to do. We're knocking, we're seeking, we're kicking on doors for them to open. We want to prosper in accordance with his word and for his word. So that the open conduits of blessings would fund the dreams and the visions and the missions that we could become highly mobile and drive and not have to fly to own our own equipment to be able to get out there, destroy the work of the enemy, shut the, the kingdom of darkness down, set the captives free. Continue to agree with us in prayer for divine favor and the conclusion of legal matters and adversity. Our family continues to go through. Prayers are being answered. Let's pray it through to the end. And of course, most of all, we pray for our lost family members to bring them into the kingdom. Stacy in Texas, once again, says she's doing well, very busy. She wants everybody to know she's thinking about them and praying for them. Kim in Fort Mitchell says, I praise him for saving my soul and keeping me sober every day. Praise him for my children, my family, my husband, Bruno. That's her dog. Her husband's not Bruno. Her husband is her husband. Bruno's the dog. For my friends, the porch community, and everything he provides. I have a few answered prayers to share. The legal issue I had in Germany is making progress. They agreed on a settlement which cut the amount into something I can live with. That was totally God. Thanks for praying with me. Please continue to pray with me so that it will be completely resolved. Praying for a blessing. Father, Lord, keep our family safe. Protect us in these crazy times. Provide for us, Father. Forgive my shortcomings. And save the children in Jesus' name. Well, Father, we're your children. And we thank you for saving us. We thank you for restoring us in right relationship to you. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. But to do that, you had to sacrifice your only begotten son. You had to ask him to endure the pain, the shame, and the cross for our sins. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all of that, but most of all that you're alive. You are a risen Savior. You are a living God. You are alive forevermore. Thank you for the love that you showed in doing that for us and how much you love us now. Holy Spirit, we thank you for teaching us and reminding us of the Word and walking with us and encouraging us. We just ask for more, more, more of you, more of the Spirit, more knowledge and wisdom and revelation in Him. We ask for the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit to work together so that we can glorify our Father here on earth. So have your way with us right now. Protect the technology. Let this Word go forth and do as you will. In Yeshua's name, amen.
lessens our proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, that's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We've started out every session of the porch for the last couple of weeks that way because it's still talking. We're still talking about the kingdom of God. Tonight we're talking about the kingdom of God authority. But that line in there always resonates with me, the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The kingdom, power, and glory is the kingdom of God. We know that the kingdom of God is his rule, his sovereignty, his dominion, his power, his control, and his authority over all things in heaven and on earth. But within those one, two, three, four, five scriptures of Matthew 6, 9 through 13 are elements of the kingdom of God. We're talking about the power, that's the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit received through Pentecost. It's power, it's strength, it's miracles, it's might, it's authority, it's force. It's the power and ability for physical or or, uh, moral or natural or supernatural implications. It resides in a person. It's power in action, not just residual power doing nothing. It's power in action, like performing miracles. And we know that the upper room was the trigger event for what became a new and supernatural paradigm, which was the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 14. I want to show you something. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice. And now remember, they were in the upper room. They'd been waiting. They'd been praying. The Spirit came down, touched them, and changed them. He soaked into them, as the Lord said. He abided. He took permanent residence in them. So here's Peter, standing with the eleven, and he raises his voice loud enough for the thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions of people they project, standing there. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. 
That was present tense. This is where he shifts into future tense. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, all indications of the day of the Lord. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's from Pentecost until the final second coming. But the glory mentioned in that prayer, the glory that we're talking about, is the glory of God. It's the divine presence of God, the kingdom, the power of the Holy Spirit, and those things bring you into the glory. You should want to experience the glory of God. Moses did, Exodus thirty-three eighteen. He said, please show me your glory. He wanted to see God. He wanted to experience literally the presence, the literal glory of God. He was asking to see him. Now, God's glory it's profound, it's glowing, it's visible, it's an expression of the divine attributes which bear witness to a, a more profound and even incomprehensible reality of substance. We know he saw God's back, couldn't see his face, or we, we would not have survived. I believe once we have our glorified bodies and that spirit within it, we'll be able to look upon his face. Moses wanted to see and experience the nature of God. He wanted the revelation of him with his own eyes. But there was a problem. (coughs) Excuse me. There was a problem. God is spirit. And essentially invisible to man, he allowed Moses to see him from behind, see his back. Therefore, it was tangible for that moment. John 4.24, Yeshua said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So how is he worshipped? Spirit and truth. How is he worshipped in heaven? In spirit and truth. What Yeshua was telling us in John 4.24, on earth as it is in heaven, you must worship him in spirit and truth. See, what Moses wanted is a greater sense of God's presence, more than anybody had ever experienced up to that point. How he had made himself known to man through revelation, through the many names and titles, through his attributes, through his written word. But then finally, to fulfill that desire in man, he did so through Jesus of Nazareth. See, that's what Moses was looking for. 1 Peter 5, 8-10 gives us a little hint of something. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. But here's verse 10 
of 1 Peter 5. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Messiah Yeshua. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation. God called you and me and all who believe to share in his eternal glory by means of his Son, Yeshua. See, the request made by Moses was fulfilled in the Lord. And I think so many people take that for granted. And the way the prayer ends is forever and ever. Amen. Forever is eternal. It's now and in the age to come. So what you're saying when you pray that prayer, you are praying a prayer that is outside of time. You're making a declaration that has no beginning and no end. I saw this quote from A.W. Tozer, and it applied. God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all of our tomorrows as he has lived all of our yesterdays. Holman Bible Dictionary defines time this way. The biblical God is not governed by time because he is the Lord of time. God is in time in the sense that he is sovereignly present in all the events of time, confronting his people with his warnings and his promises. However, this is not the same as saying that God is caught up in time or governed by it. Humankind cannot bind him to special sacred times. Rather, he encounters humankind in each moment of their temporal existence, offering each new day as an opportunity for judgment in the event of their willful stubbornness or for redemption in the event of their repentance. I've talked about this a lot. I did a whole uh, teaching on it in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, four years ago, about time. All Things New was the name of it. And I've been on this journey of understanding this because to walk in the kingdom and to do what we're called to do, we have to live a life, a life that is of like that prayer, as in heaven and on earth. We need to live a life as much as possible outside of time. And I know that doesn't make sense and gets into the woo-woo attitude, but that's not what I'm saying. And I'm dealing with it in Scripture, and I'm giving you Scripture to back it up. Let's see what it says about him and time. Isaiah 41.4, Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last I am he. Isaiah 44.6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Isaiah 48, 12 through 13. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, I am the first and also the last. Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand up together. That's your Heavenly Father. That's your Lord. As I've explained many times, 
I see the Lord is holding time together. By his very essence, he holds it all together. So to say that he's eternal from the biblical standpoint means that his existence brackets cosmic time like bookends or looking at his hands stretched apart holding the universe together. He was there at the beginning of all created things and he will be there when that reality which is temporal ends and he's present at every moment in between. Time is a construct for man. God is outside of time therefore his kingdom is two. That's why he calls the end of all things the end of days. It's the end of man's time. All those scriptures I quoted in Isaiah 41, 4, 44, 6, 48, 12 through 13, we also see three times in Revelation. Revelation 1, 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is he, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. He's speaking to John the Revelator. Revelation 1.17. This is John. When I saw him, I fell dead at his feet, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Revelation 22.13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The three declarations of Isaiah matched in the three declarations of Revelation. See, he originated the concept of our time in the beginning in Genesis, but then he had to originate a plan of salvation that lined up with those parameters. See, he will determine when it's done, when it closes out. He formed the world, and he will be the one that winds up all of its affairs. Knowing the reality of the time he established for us, he knew that salvation and restoration to him was the key to returning us back to what Adam gave up. Because what I'm describing, Adam gave up. He gave up his positional authority and he gave up his freedom from time. So the end of the age of man, this is an expression that refers to the climax and the end of an era of salvation for the world. It's an end of a historical, tangible era, a time of salvation for the world. So really, everything is about one thing, salvation. Time is, the Great Commission is. Sharing with Larry today and and with somebody else I was speaking to yesterday. The simplicity of the gospel and the intent and function of the gospel is the core of everything. And where we've gotten off track is adding other things to it as if they were equally important. There is not. No matter what I do, whether it's through SRT whether it's through Firefall and making documentaries or media stuff or doing these Bible studies or I do the seminars, everything is about one thing only, furthering the kingdom of God, getting people saved, healed, delivered, destroying the work of the enemy. Because when the Lord came, that's all he was about. So the end of the age of man 
where do we see it in the Word? Well, Matthew 24, 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives. And by the way, just a trivia question, do you know why they were like to go up on the Mount of Olives? It was the best view of the temple from anywhere in Jerusalem. You could see the glory of the temple from there. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. See, that's tied together, his coming and the end of the age. Matthew twenty four fourteen, he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come tangible time frame. Matthew twenty eight twenty, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he gave us this time, the natural days, sunrise to sunset, the natural night, sunset to sunrise. We don't measure it this way, but we should. The biblical Jewish days from sunset one evening to sunset the next. There was evening and there was morning one day. But this is not our home. And this time frame we're living in is temporal. It's temporary. 1 Corinthians 7.31, For the form of this world is passing away. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Colossians 4, 5, Behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those of the outside world, non-believers, making the very most of the time and seizing, buying up the opportunity. 2 Thessalonians 2.8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And we know from the previous scripture, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is taken out of the way. That he is the Holy Spirit abiding in the church. So what you have is you have a period of time in which the church, us, have been given and should be utilizing the positional authority delegated by the Lord. It's that important. See, everything I'm sharing with you week to week, it's not for me, although I do get stuff from it and I love working on the Word. I'm trying to get you into a mindset, into a walk, into a lifestyle outside of the restrictions, constrictions, and even boundaries of this world. But we should be doing something with it. It's not enough just to understand it. You have to apply it. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come, and I should add now is, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables, 
But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Oh, we say, I don't have a ministry. Yeah, you do. You have a ministry of reconciliation to everyone that has not been reconciled to him. See, that's kingdom business. It's his kingdom. And we should want his kingdom to rule in us and through us. Remember, inside out. But how? How does it do that? It does it on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means the rules, patterns, and presence, and the presence of heaven on earth in all things. Matthew eleven twenty seven through 30. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The reconciliation to the Father, the restoration to the Father, the connection to the Father through the Son brings peace, brings gentleness, brings rest for your soul. But this is the pattern of heaven on earth in all things. Now here this is, 20, September 2nd of 2020. And as I said, I've been studying the Word for almost 32 years. And I've learned more about the kingdom of God in 2020 than I ever understood before, and I believe there was a timing to it. I believe he's bringing us into a time, a T-I-M-E, a natural temporal time to understand it, to apply it. But this is where it comes into the positional aspect of who you are. Ephesians 2, six, And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere, by virtue of our being in Messiah Yeshua. So where are you seated with him? Wherever you are right now, wherever you park yourself on a spiritual cushion somewhere? No. You're seated with him in the heavenly places. This union with him is something all believers share. We share in God's glory. We share in the blessings of that. And we experience that resurrection power both now and tangibly in the future. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Messiah, seek those things which are above, where Messiah is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, this thing about setting your mind on things above is you're setting your mind on heaven. You're setting your mind on the kingdom of God in heaven as it is on earth. So many people have a religious mindset, a denominational mindset. It's, a, it's an earthly mindset. In Messiah, we've been made alive spiritually. We have been raised up and are seated in the heavenly places. That's positional authority. And those positional privileges 
will be experienced fully in both the natural and supernatural in the future millennial kingdom, but they're available to us right now through the Spirit. We can live a life on earth as it is in heaven. Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord, Messiah Yeshua, who has blessed us with every, remember you said before all things, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Messiah. That in the heavenly places, that's a sphere of spiritual rather than physical activity. And I didn't stutter. I said that word slowly so that you could get it. Activity. There should be action applied with this influence. And where is it? It is the location, it's the locale of every spiritual blessing of Messiah at God's right hand in the heavenly places. We're seated with him. We've been raised up to be seated with him. Why? Because to do everything he taught, everything he asked of us, it can't be done from an earthly perspective. And I've sat in a lot of churches for a very long time. I don't anymore because I am the church. But I sat in a lot of congregations and a lot of places that did not apply that. And when you tried to pull them towards that, they rebelled. You've been raised up. I've been raised up. We've been raised up together to sit with him. Far above all principalities and power. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, it's also used, this exalted position is occupied by people who are marked by rank or influence, either good or evil. But we've been raised above all principality and power. I believe Satan and the fallen rule from the heavenlies above us. They're, they're not in the pit. They're not in hell. Stop listening to that nonsense. They will be cast down at some point to earth, but right now they have been given a a position above us. But once we got saved and born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we were transported above them spiritually. We rule and reign over them. And the church, because of that, We're supposed to be imparting the wisdom of God from our perspective. Another one of those things that I never learned properly. Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Well, how can you do that with an earthly mindset? How can you do that if you don't understand What I'm talking about, those unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenlies and the heavenly places, we in Ephesians 1.21, because we're seated with him, he is what? He is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but that which is to come. So then why are we defeated? 
We're defeated because we're not sitting where we're supposed to be. The manifold wisdom of God from the church should be on display for the angelic realm. They don't understand it. They were never human. They were never terrestrial. They've always been extraterrestrial. They've always been supernatural. They, they were spoken into existence. They don't understand this whole concept that God molded Adam and created and put his spirit into Adam and then made Eve. And then since then, that spirit has been passed on to man. Which is why once we get our spiritual bodies along with the supernatural spirit inside of us, we rule over them. Uh, Larry and I were talking about this the other day. And I've said this before to people and I've watched them get offended. You know, they say, oh, what you do is not biblical. You know, Michael didn't rebuke, even rebuke Satan when he was fighting for the body of Moses. And my response to that is Michael and I are not peers. We're not peers. We're not equals. Oh, right now he's he's more powerful than I am. But the spirit inside of me is what created him. The one that spoke him into existence abides in me. And when I get my supernatural body, I will rule and reign and judge the angels. Understand who you are. Live a life of based upon who you are. Live a life worthy of who you are. Stop living down to the world and start living up to the kingdom. That's why the the warfare we do is against what? The spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Why? Because we've been given authority over them. We have positional authority next to the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's why the angels don't fight for us anymore. I challenge you, if you believe that they do, find some place in the New Testament that says it. Anybody who believes that always goes back to the Old Testament before the New Covenant, before the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the authority of heaven. All authority went to him, and he delegated it to us. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not physical, weapons of the flesh and blood. But they're mighty before God. They're mighty from God. For what? For the overthrow and destruction of strongholds, strongholds, demonic, satanic strongholds. So we war against the things of this world, not in a manner that is of this world. Why? Because we are not of this world. Satan knows that. The fallen know that. That's why they use deception that trick us into making us terrestrial Instead of heavenly. Psalm 1, 1, we read it it's every Friday night during Shabbat. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That bitter sitting in the seat of the scornful, it's, it's an indication of the degeneracy of man who's in an open state of rebellion 
and even ridicules faith in God. No, a righteous man doesn't do that. The seed of the scornful is bitterness and rebellion towards God and the things of God. No, we sit in a different place. We have positional favor. That's what Psalm 1-3 says. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because he's not walking with or sitting with the ungodly. He's fulfilling the purpose in life that God created for him. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and mockers gather. The ideal righteous person is one who is in the world but quite unaffected by the world. They're in but not of. And this is without gender. That that Hebrew word for man is, is really person. Anybody. That applies to. But see, you decide where you walk. You decide where you sit. You decide where you reside. And there's a sinful nature in man. There's a sinful nature in this world right now. It's listed in Romans 1, 20 through 32. And I didn't understand why the Lord wanted me to put this in there. But now after speaking for 45 minutes, I get it. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity, has been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things which have been made, his handiworks. So men are without excuse altogether, without any defense or justification. Because when they knew and recognized him as God, they didn't honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks. But instead they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginings, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made the simpletons They made simpletons of themselves. And by them the glory and majesty and excellence of the immortal God was exchanged and represented by images representing mortal men and birds and beasts and reptiles, otherwise the fallen. Therefore God gave them up in their lust of their own hearts to sexual impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, abandoning them to the degrading power of sin, again tied to the fallen. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over and abandoned them to vile affections and degrading passions. For the women exchanged their own natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. The men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze, burning consumed with lust for one another men committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their own bodies and personalities, the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoing and going astray, which is their fitting retribution. And so since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or approve of him or consider him worth knowing, God gave them over to a reprobate, a base and condemned mind, to do things not proper or decent but loathsome until they were filled 
permeated, saturated with every kind of unrighteousness, iniquity, grasping and covetous greed and malice. They were full of envy, jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, treachery, ill will, and cruel ways. Thing we see on the news today. They were secret backbiters and gossipers, slanderers, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence, arrogance, and boasting, inventors of new forms of evil disobedient and undutiful to parents. They were without understanding, consciousless, faithless, heartless, loveless, and merciless. And though they are fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only did them themselves, but approved and applauded others who practiced them. In other words, they were totally and completely terrestrial, and that's where they'll lay, in the pit of this world. This, that is an exhaustive list of human moral depravity. And any society that does that will be judged by God. They encouraged others to sin. And they reveled in it. But the Lord gives true happiness to everyone who reject that evil and delight in him. See, that's why the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the kingdom distribution system to the church and therefore to the world. Everything I just read to you in Romans 1 is the sign of a reprobate but unrepentant, unsaved, spiritless, holy spiritless world. As long as the Spirit is here in us, the kingdom of God is present and effective. But it's not natural. Look at John 3, verses 2 through 6. Nicodemus came to Yeshua by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Yeshua answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he wasn't getting it. Yeshua answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. The, the more I read this word, the more I study it, the more I understand salvation wasn't some religious event or some event to, to put people in a pew or make them a member somewhere. It was the life's work of the kingdom of God. It was the tangible mission statement of the kingdom of God. See, we're a new creation. We're a creation of heaven. All things have passed away. All things have become new, like the Lord talks about in John 3. That's 2 Corinthians 5. We've been engrafted into Messiah. We are a new creation altogether. Everything old. Our moral and spiritual condition is gone. And everything is new. We're now under a new ruling government. We're under a new ruling principality. And we are the conduits of him in all aspects in this fallen world. To do that, you must be in the world, but not of the world. So I want to ask you something. I want you to do something for me. 
I want you to do something for me. I want you to sit down, make a list, be honest with yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Make a list of the areas of your life that are terrestrial and not heavenly. Oh, I know, I know, we have to do things in this world. I'm not saying that. But the choices you make, ask the Spirit to show you where you're out of tune, where you're out of harmony, you're out of alignment with what I'm saying to you. See, everything the Lord told them was about you're not of the world, you don't belong to the world, he didn't belong to the world. So why have we spent so much time trying to fit in? Why have we spent so much time trying to get along with the world? I've never had a problem with that because I have a severe rebellious streak in me. I always have. But even that, I didn't get it. It wasn't about being rebellious. It was about being like Yeshua. He was never of this world. We're asking for power. We're asking for signs and wonders. We're asking for things to happen through us to the world. But how can that happen in a body that's grounded by the world and not sitting in the heavenly places with him? If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. That means integrity. That means godly character. That means moral courage a conduct that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see what we see in the world because we have allowed it. We have conformed to this world. Instead of being transformed in our mind, transformed in our thinking, transformed in our heart, transformed in our bodies. The hands that I lay on you when I pray for you should not be a hand of this world. And I've had moments more than most, but I want it full time. Where literally as I laid my hands on somebody, I felt that rush of the Spirit go through me, hit them, and they either got healed or even they got knocked out. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that tells you getting slain in the Spirit's not biblical, that means tells me they've never read the Bible. They've never see, heard Daniel or John or anybody fall down as dead men in front of an angel, in front of the Lord. When your body gets overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit... It will shut down. It will fall down. And sometimes he has to do that to you to work on you. He has to get you out of the way. But we can't heal. We can't deliver. We can't even speak a word in season. We can't do anything that's going to change this foul, depraved, dark world until we get it into our minds and into our hearts. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. This world has nothing on us. Oh, we got to pay bills, and we have to do what the world says do. But the fact is, I do that by choice. I submit to it. The flesh, it's the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of darkness, but the spirit is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light, and that's the kingdom we live in. So let's represent his kingdom here and now. And I don't know who this goes to. I found it. It's a, it's, it's a little, like little poem. It says, it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Somebody else's eternity in your minute. Somebody else's eternity is in what you say and what you do and how you live and the choices you make. So, Father, right now in the name of your Son, Yeshua, let your spirit which should be in them. If it's not, I pray them to get spirit-filled right now with the manifestations of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit present in their lives. 
I pray right now you're working on your children. You're changing them for a time such as this. You're opening up their minds. You're tweaking the way they think. You're touching them and changing them to be used by them in this this time, that they are becoming agents of the kingdom of God, walking through this world, being beacons of light, preaching the gospel without saying a word, doing it through a hug or a smile, being the way you were, Yeshua. That's what this world is crying out for. We're seeing everything we're seeing in the streets and on the news right now is because Hasatan and the fallen and the spirit of lawlessness is in control because we have not subjected it. So, Father, I ask right now to your remnant and all those you've called to war, I pray that they would rise up and start to push back, that they would pull down, tear down, root up, that they would begin to bind, that they would begin to loose, that they would begin to speak your word out loud and shut things down. Let repentance come. Let healing come. Let deliverance come. But touch us, Lord, right now. I know I'm crying out for it. I hope others are too. I'm crying out for a presence of you unlike anything ever seen before, that even the, the book of Acts church didn't have it. So that we can do everything we need to do so that the gospel of this kingdom is preached in all the world. And then the end of the ages, the end of man's time, can come. Lord, you're all we have. Holy Spirit, we can't do this without you. Deliver us of all the things interfering with what I just prayed. Give it up, children of God. Let go of whatever is hindering you, false teachings, false concepts, whatever it is that's keeping you from having what the Father wants for you. I call you, I beseech you in the name of Yeshua, let it go. Let go of that religious spirit. Let go of that lack of self-worth and that doubt. Let go of the words and the wounds that have been spoken upon you and put upon you by others. Let the healing bomb of Gilead from the throne room itself, that hot oil of the Spirit, just begin to take away your wounds and heal them. Break the chains, set you free, so that you can become who you were designed to be. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that your soul should know well. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.